The best practice for dealing with fraud is to prevent it from ever happening. This is Forensically Speaking, where host Jonathan Marks will help you understand the forensic side of compliance so you can move from detection to prevention in your compliance program. Here's your host, Jonathan Marks. Hello and welcome to Forensically Speaking. My name is Jonathan Marks and today's topic is tone and conduct from the top. Tone and conduct from the top is a phrase used today in professional literature to refer to the most important element for promoting honesty in a company as well as the integrity of its internal financial controls um, and its internal controls in general, I should say. The board of directors is at the top of the corporate hierarchy, as we all know, and should, um, you know, in concert with the CEO and others, set the tone and conduct for corporate behavior uh, generally and for corporate governance in particular. The most significant themes of Sarbanes-Oxley and governance reform generally um, talk about independence of directors and auditors, ethical corporate behavior, transparency and truthfulness of corporate disclosure, and accountability of officers and directors to the investing public. Uh, these are critical areas for the board's attention. So let's talk about some trends. You know, for a long, long time, we talked about tone at, or as I like to say, tone from the top. And recently, you know, with regards to a lot of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act matters and the like, you know, the term conduct at the top is also, you know, reared out. And now it's become the, the, the standard. So it's tone and conduct from the top. But, you know, let's talk about some trends. Corporate greed at the executive level continues and has destroyed hundreds of public companies as well as privately held companies as well as not-for-profit organizations. It's drained stockholders of their investments and left innocent employees without work. Um, when we talk about the things that happened in the past, um, you know, that are, are, are now sort of fading into the sunset, but should be good reminders. You know, uh, we talk about Ken Lay, Skilling, Fastow from Enron, Kozlowski from Tyco, Scrushy from Health South, as well as former executives, you know, at other corporations. You know, these folks have become household names and are often linked to what is wrong with corporate America. But again, um, a lot of those traits that are in those individuals are also things that have made some very, very successful. So there is sort of a balancing act here as what keeps somebody ethical as compared to what allows them to cross over the line. You know, unfortunately, uh, these individuals represent only a small percentage of the executives who have abused their positions of power to commit corporate fraud. Uh, many, many CEOs of public companies have been sued over the past 10 years for committing so-called white-collar crimes. These executive criminals were sending a clear, uh, though perhaps unintentional, message to their employees that committing fraud is acceptable as long as it makes the company seem profitable. That's clearly not the case. Um, and obviously, they were setting the wrong tone and displaying the wrong conduct at the top. The link between the tone and conduct at the top and conduct at the top of an organization and fraud in the organization has become an important aspect of job-based responsibilities for senior executives at publicly traded companies and other companies as well who are trying to, you know, implement uh, a better practice than, you know, uh, than what they currently have. At the same time, uh, there are no bright lines in the regulatory rules or accounting standards that define exactly what the tone at the top or conduct at the top should be. We all have a pretty good idea by what we read, 
but you know, there's nothing very clear there. There's not a prescribed list of rules. Um, we, we all know uh, what can be done. We've all seen what can be done. We know what makes companies successful, but what works for one does not necessarily work for another, and there really isn't a prescribed set of rules that define what you know, tone and conduct from the top are or what makes an organization successful. Um, <clears throat> the, the faltering failures in the past uh, of some of the biggest names in the financial world remind us once again of the levels of greed that exist in corporate America. Those same things exist today as well. You know, chasing profits, these executives and these companies took on, you know, what some might call excessive risks and disregarded warning signs. Employees were witness to the lax tone and conduct set by the executives and senior leadership, uh, many interpreting the tone and conduct as corporate approval to take on more risks or even to cross the line on fraud. As long as it could be reasonably, as long as somebody can link it to um, higher profits or better success of the organization. You know, it's uh, everybody loves great news, but you know, uh, and loves to deliver great news. But you know, people have a really tough time delivering bad news. And you know, let's face it, you can't be perfect all the time. History tells us that during economic booms, the media and public are less concerned with business risks, controls, and ethics. However, in times of crisis uh, and when the economy is struggling and confidence wanes, wanes uh, public attention turns towards protecting finances and assigning blame. So uh, it's sort of a, a little bit of a cycle here, right? Businesses today are under intense scrutiny as, as policy wonks and leaders piece together what went wrong and a game plan to move forward to steadier ground. Uh, now we're talking about sort of easing some of those controls that we put in place over the years, which is kind of interesting, but we'll see what happens. So investors, regulators, and agencies in the public are calling for, you know, when, when these things happen, stricter measures, you know, to promote corporate integrity, which leads to tighter accounting and auditing standards, more regulation, and an increased focus on ethical financial practices, um, which will likely follow. Um, I'm not so sure. I, you know, uh, it, it almost seems like, you know, we we tend to go back to the same practices and principles, you know, we once had at least a little bit when things get, you know, get going um, or things start to change around. I think that's something that, you know, as a senior leader of an organization, we need to be mindful of and make sure that we don't slip back. Um, you know, for example, doing a fraud risk assessment and following up on that fraud risk assessment, you know, is something that I think is extremely important. Understanding the culture is also something I think is extremely important. However, you know, when a company's doing really well, you might say, well, we really might not need that right now. Well, guess what? I think you really do because it's when you know, you force yourself into the mindset of you have this perfect place, which I call perfect place syndrome, is when you know all the hard work and effort that you put in in order to getting the company in a condition and position whereby you might have you know changed the culture of the organization to be more control focused and more mindful of ethical breakdowns. You know, you could wipe that out in an instant. So let's talk about some gaps. Um, you know, there are some gaps here. 
Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to talk about those. You know, one is the, the control environment. That is the overall attitude, awareness, and actions of the directors and management regarding internal controls and the internal control system and the importance to the organization. This is key to setting the right tone and conduct of the organization because it, because it influences the control consciousness of its people. It truly does. You know, people look up. Um, and they look to, up to see what is being said and what is being done. Factors that contribute to the control environment include integrity and ethical values communicated by executive management in speaking and writing and demonstrated by action, uh, responses to incentives and temptations, clear policies and actions that prohibit the acceptance of inappropriate gifts, for example, uh, Moral guidance, um, as communicated through a code of business conduct and ethics. You know, the code of business conduct and ethics is something that, again, I think most overlook. But you know, it really is the cornerstone behind a lot of of, of a lot of what we're talking about here. Um, a commitment to competence, uh, demonstrated by robust robust. Uh, human resource policies and clear job descriptions for the purpose of hiring and retaining qualified people. You know, a commitment to competence really means, you know, we're not taking shortcuts. We're not hiring, you know, people that don't fit within our organization. It's very, very easy to do. Uh, board of directors and audit committees that are engaged, ask questions and take appropriate actions. They don't let things happen. They're, they practice good oversight. They ask the tough questions. They are concerned about asymmetrical data, um, things of that nature. So having an active board and a good audit committee is really tantamount you know, to having a tight organization. A management philosophy and operating style that plays high value on risk assessment and, a contr- and internal control. And more importantly, it encourages a speak up environment. You know, see something, say something is sort of one of those things that we all, you know, hear over and over and over again. But, you know, if people feel that what they're going to say is going to fall on deaf ears, they might not say anything at all. Well-defined organizational structures that is appropriate for company size and complexity. So in other words, you know, people know what their roles and responsibilities are. They know what their reporting channels are. They know what the communication protocols are. I mean, that's really, really important. Um, you know, sort of a takeoff to that is appropriate assignments and authority and responsibility um, uh, with, again, well-defined duties that are appropriately segregated to prevent and detect errors or, in a worst-case, fraud. Human resources, recruiting, and retention policies and practices to ensure that human capital is valued. Um, You know, I talked about that before, but that's really, really important. And ways to settle internal differences, okay, such as a forum or an ombudsman to discuss and settle differences of opinion between management and employees, things of that nature, having this Open openness with regards to um, you know coming forward and talking about issues. You know, this see something, say something. It goes way beyond that. In any organization, the buck stops with the chief executive. Literally, uh, he or she has ultimate responsibility for the internal control system. A positive control environment is, in my opinion, a big part of maintaining effective internal controls. More than any other individual group or function in the organization, the chief executive sets the tone and conduct at the top. The chief executive sets the tone and conduct at the top that affects factors related to the control environment and other components of internal controls. So, you know, um, those are some of the things, you know, that when I'm talking about setting the proper tone and the conduct and conduct from the top uh, really are about. Now, 
Let's talk about some of the challenges and then solutions and maybe some actions, and then we'll wrap it up for today. So some of the challenge, it, it is really crucial to a company's success for executives and management to set an example of ethical behavior on the job. Uh, when those in top positions set the wrong example by cutting corners or committing fraud, their employees are likely to follow in their boss's fraudulent footsteps, creating an entire organizational culture of fraud. Um, the other thing that I like to talk about is the ABC theory of fraud, bad apple, bad bunch, bad crop. You know, you have one bad apple, you create a bad bunch, and next thing you know, I have a bad crop. And, you know, those apples get sometimes dispersed throughout the organization. So, you know, you, you think you may have an isolated incident, incident, but more often than not, we find that, you know, those teachings manifest themselves in other parts of the organization and those bad habits follow along. When executives put pressure on employees to meet unrealistic goals for the company, employees, they're often faced with a choice, you know, doing whatever it takes, improper or not, to achieve those goals um, or taking action that they know won't result in the bottom line their bosses are looking for. Uh, to employees faced with the choice, the, uh, these choices, the end might seem to justify the means, um, finance Personnel under pressure to attain a certain profit margin might falsify estimated balances to enhance the results. Salespeople under pressure to increase sales might use unethical tactics such as misleading customers, changing contract terms, or recording fictitious transactions in order to do so, or actually bribing or, or giving kickbacks um, to some in order to, um, in order to achieve whatever result that they're looking for. Um, it's, it's really... It's really tough when you have uh, these things in place, when you have these pressures put on individuals to constantly be achieving. Uh, again, we live in a world where you know failure is not an option. So you know you have to realize that and you have to look at those pressure points within the organization. So now let's talk about maybe some solutions. Um, you know, I've talked to many people and some believe the only way to correct issues related to the tone and conduct at the top is to make personnel changes. Such measures may sometimes be warranted, but, you know, I might believe that education such as frequent communication or even formal classroom training could be a remedy as well. Not in all cases, but in some, and in fact might accelerate the general adoption of a more ethical corporate culture in an, in an organization. The other thing I like to talk about is communicating with words and actions. And what I mean by that is to reduce the risk of fraud and establish and sustain the right tone, um, you know, uh, it's really important that senior management positions themselves to communicate to employees what is expected of them, lead by example, and provide a safe mechanism for reporting violations and rewarding integrity. Um, and then communicating with actions, you know, talking about, Ethics would be useless if employees do not see management demonstrating a commitment to those principles. The commitment of management to its ethics policy is not credible unless management walk the walk as well as talk the talk. So that's where we talk about the paradigm shift from you know just tone from the top to tone and conduct from the top, walking the walk as well as talking the talk. Employees need to believe that organizational values, the reporting of ethical violations um, are are important. This message must be communicated consistently and reinforced through actions. If a whistleblower is not protected by management, violations likely will never be reported again. In addition, when violations are reported, um, 
you know, a couple of different things. Number one is they should be thoroughly investigated. You should have an allegation triage process and, you know, these tips or violations should be thoroughly investigated. Um, violators should be punished consistently with policy, uh, whatever that policy might be. Um, in, in some instances, it's termination. In some instances, it's termination and prosecution. But, you know, you should follow through. Um Related control breakdown should be evaluated and improved. You know, doing root cause analysis, finding that one domino that fell, you know, doing remediation, constantly tweaking and modifying your compliance program. Those things are important. If no action is warranted, the results of the investigation should be reported back to the individual who originally reported the violation. Actually, it's not only if no action is warranted, it's it's the action and steps taken should really be reported back to that individual. Again, you know, with with the, with the mindset of not retaliating against that individual because we all know, and I'm not talking about that today, but retaliation is something that's very dangerous. Leadership from the top of the organization is essential to maintain rigorous internal control and make progress on, on, on fraud prevention. A growing number of organizations are formalizing their anti-fraud programs, but a lot still don't have one. Um, you know, I, I have a, a many, many, many opportunities today to help organizations build their anti-fraud programs. It's just amazing to me that some just don't have these. But, um, you know, uh, it, it takes that right mindset. Um so, you know, that, that is really important. All the activities um, that we talked about when supported by the board and performed, you know, conscientiously set the right tone and conduct from the top and help to reduce risk, including the risk of fraud. Only by setting the bar high will an ethical corporate culture be sustained. Um, that's a whole mouthful of stuff that we've gone through today on Forensically Speaking, but I think it's important. I think it's important to understand that, you know, it's not only, you know, setting the right tone, but it's also listening to what the organization is telling you and taking the right actions, whatever they might be. Uh, maybe your policies are not uh, as effective as they as they could be. Maybe your code of conduct, you know, is something that needs to be dusted off and recommunicated back to, you know, the entire, um, you know, ecosystem. You know, those types of things are really, really important. And, you know, having this set it and forget it mentality doesn't 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 really work today. If you think that you know, after working so hard to build a compliance program, we'll get the company in a, in a position and condition where they do understand how important controls are, they do understand how important monitoring is and, and communicating and being transparent and all those elements that make up a good governance framework are um, you know they could be lost in a microsecond if you know in fact you take your foot off the gas, uh, you know and. Um, and, and allow something to uh, to sneak by. Uh, it only takes a second for a company to ruin its entire reputation. It takes a long, long time to build it up. My name's Jonathan Marks, and this is Forensically Speaking. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Forensically Speaking podcast. Make sure to subscribe and help us spread the word by leaving a review. 